Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Go with me to Acts chapter 8. I want to read from verses 26 to 40. Um, I was on the plane coming back and the Lord began to speak to me from this passage to bring today. The Bible says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you were reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptised? And he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptised him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at that place as a task, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. I want to speak to you today on the subject, rise and go. Rise and go. Um, there was a book that was written back in 2007. It was a New York Times bestseller. It was titled The Black Swan. It was written by a guy by the name of Nassim Nicholas Taleb, and uh, this book was really popular. Uh, other books have sort of been offshoots of this book, but essentially the hypothesis and the big idea of the book is that life-defining moments happen when you least expect it. And so uh, until you actually get out of your bubble, your comfort zone, the box of life and familiarity that you're in and get out there and experience life, you might not actually encounter uh, a, an event that totally changes your life. I think we would all agree that for those of us who have been at Numa for a little while now, that four weeks ago, life as we know it as a church has irrevocably changed. And I know for me, uh, I received a prophetic word from one of our prophetic eagles, Roma, about a three, two, one blast off. She said, who here in this room? I was in a room of leaders. The time 3.21 a.m. Uh, means anything to them. And I put up my hand and said, last week, 
This is weeks ago now. Last week, three nights in a row, I was woken up at 3.21 a.m. God bless Jesus. I'm like, why am I waking up at 3.21 a.m.? So, you know, you, you pray, you read, you can't get back to sleep. And having three nights in a row, and she said, good, this word is for you. Three, two, one, blast off. And in the last four weeks have been three, two, one, blast off of what God is doing in our hearts and in our lives. When God moves in your life, it feels like you're holding on to the back of a Ferrari. So many of us in life go through life as if we're pushing a semi-trailer truck up a hill. But there's a Kairos moment. There's windows of opportunity, doors that open to us that we actually need to seize and lay hold of so that we can walk in the fullness of what God has for us. God-ordained moments often happen when you least expect it. Yes, be it unto you according to your faith. But is there an openness for the unexpected, for the suddenly in your life and in your heart? And so I found myself on the plane coming back from this conference and here's a photo. I've got uh, my Bible open and uh, here I am uh, reading the Word and as my custom when I get on a plane and I'm reading the Word, I'm reading some book and I'm preparing my heart for ministry. And to be honest with you, I just like reading the Bible. Does anybody else just like reading the Bible? All right. Five of us. Does anybody else like reading the Bible? Okay, good, good. By the way, bring your Bibles to church. Go old school, throw out your iPhone, throw out the iPad, bring your Bible to church. Uh, and, and so I'm on the plane. Who would have thought that simply reading your Bible would be an evangelistic ministry in itself? Because I get stopped by the uh, air hostess, and she says to me, I'm so inspired by you reading your Bible. I've just uh, recently uh, decided to start attending church here in Melbourne. She may be here today. Her name is Ange, and she, her face was lit up, and she's like, I'm just loving reading the Bible. It's so inspiring. She said, people like you who read their Bible on planes will set the world on fire. I said, thank you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. And she began to talk. Then she went off and continued her serving the rest of the customers on the plane. And then there I was next to me was a lovely lady and her daughter. And she, this lady began to ask me all these questions about, she's looking at my Bible and all the scribbles and the notes and says, gee, you've really studied that. She began to ask me questions. What do you do for work? And one thing led to another. We ended up talking for about 70 minutes until we landed and she began to share about her being a Jew and how she sort of walked away from um, the religious observance of her faith, but is in a Jewish family and her husband's a nominal Catholic. And, and we talked and we talked and, and all of a sudden, in a most unexpected moment, the good news of the gospel was to be heard for all the surrounding passengers. And I didn't know, but Kai just took a sneaky photo and said, and posted it, sharing Jesus confidently. And I want to tell us today that for all of our motivation, intention and diligence around following Christ and being believers, evangelistic encounters will often happen when you least expect it. And this is why you've got to obey the promptings of the Spirit. You've got to pay attention to them. Because here in the life of Philip 
who was chosen one of the seven to serve practical needs in the life of the Jerusalem church. Acts 6, we read that the apostles were neglecting, they weren't very good at the ministry of helps. They were neglecting the distribution of food on a daily basis to the Greek-speaking Jews, the widows. And so they decided to appoint seven leaders, seven people who would take responsibility to minister to the practical needs of the surrounding community. Philip was one of those seven chosen. The Bible says, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Little did he know that by serving a practical need, God would see that and call him to be an evangelist to an entire region. We underestimate the simplicity of serving in practical areas and how what God will do with that to change people's lives. I was talking to a couple in our congregation, Chris Hannon, who he and his wife have been at this church for many years. And he was telling me how the Spirit of God, literally after the 9am service, prompted his heart to start making sandwiches and go around even during uh, COVID when there were people around in the city, uh, very few, but a few go around and he would hand out sandwiches and tell people that God loves them and offer to pray for them. That's what he started, right? Now it's two, three years later that he's been doing that and something like 5,000 sandwiches or meals have been created from a couple in our church that decided what is the simple thing that I can do to make a difference in the world around me. They obeyed the prompting of the Holy Spirit and now they are witnessing, they're sharing the gospel, they're sharing their faith. Now his wife will, you know, bake cookies and all sorts of food because his wife said, you can't just hand out ham and tomato sandwiches, you've got to give them a meal. And so literally Chris at lunchtime and his lunch hour and before and after work, this is happening in our city right now. A man of God and his wife have decided they're going to use whatever means, whatever prompting of the Spirit God has given to them to make a difference in the city of Melbourne. 5,000 meals have been handed out. Talk about loaves and fishes. Literally loaves and fishes. And they're just serving and they pray and people who are anxious and shouting and all sorts of crazy nonsense in the city pray for peace and God comes and gets to share His faith. I wanna tell you, you gotta obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life and begin with what's in your hand right where you are. What does Philip, who started with the ministry of helps, now he's an evangelist, what happened to Philip as he went about his life and his ministry. He received a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is a gift of the Spirit. It's a supernatural impartation of knowledge and information by the Spirit of God about a detail, a, a information, a, a ge geographical place, in this case for Philip, or it could be details about someone's life where there is this intuitive knowing you don't, maybe don't know that person, you don't know that place, but God gives you a supernatural impartation of information and knowledge. You couldn't have learnt it, you couldn't have studied it, but you just know. Has anyone had an experience? You just know, you know, you know, 
that God is speaking to you about something or someone. There is this intuitive knowing within you. This is what happened to Philip. And whenever the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, it's literally a manifestation of God Himself wanting to reveal Himself to people around about you. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That Greek word phanerosis literally means revelation or manifestation. It means that what God manifests in me must edify others through me. My gift is not about me. God would not reveal details to you about supernatural things if He didn't want you to do something with it. And so here is Philip. He gets a word of knowledge. Go to the south. Go to the road. Go out to the desert regions because there is something that I have for you to do. The Bible says an angel of the Lord revealed this. So in this instance, it wasn't, obviously it was a work of the Spirit, but an angel, Then later on, as he arrives at this town or as he arrives at this road, he sees that there is an official, an Ethiopian, a eunuch who represents the queen, royalty, who's there in a chariot, just so happens to be reading aloud the words of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit of God says, go over to the chariot and Philip obeys. How many things have we missed because we didn't obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit? You know, a lady in our congregation, a young adult lady recently was at work on a customer call and felt the Holy Spirit say, leave work. She hung up the phone and went to her boss. This happened just in the last few weeks and said, I've got to leave work for a few hours. Would you release me? And and this person, a very diligent, faithful employee, the boss let her go and she jumped into the car and uh, she said, okay, God, what now? And she noticed a present on the passenger seat that she hadn't given to her friend for many weeks and months. And the Lord said, take it around to her house right now. Took her around, she drove around to the house and she knocked on the door and the friend answered and she gave her the gift and just was checking in on her like a welfare check. And the girl was saying, what, what, what are you doing here? person was saying, what are you doing here? Well, why'd you come today? Why'd you come now? She said, I, I just felt prompted to come and started to share of God's love. And that person, the friend who was in the house, acknowledged that she had decided that day that she was going to end her life. And God prompted someone in a workplace to go and minister to her. And that person is alive today because she obeyed the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows where you need to be, when you need to be there, and who you need to speak to. So you've got to resolve the question today that we asked last week about who is leading you. You've got to resolve the question, who is in charge? Who is in charge of my life? If you're in charge, you're going to be preoccupied with your diary, your calendar, your agenda, your goals, your priorities, and you could miss the priority of heaven. Have you discovered the priorities of heaven are different to the priorities of earth? We're self-absorbed. We're a community and a culture in terms of the world we live in that is completely self-absorbed with what we can get for ourselves, survival, moving forward, Uh, existing according on our own terms, our own agenda. God has a very different dream for the earth. 
is a very different dream for our lives. And it's so careful that we don't water the gospel down and we don't make even our Christian faith about us fulfilling our destiny and dreams while the world goes to hell. We have to understand that God saved you for more than just you. He loves you, yes. He saved you so that you would be reconciled back to the Father and have a relationship with Him. But He also saved you to save others. He saved you to be a part of the solution to the lostness of the people around you and the world that we find ourselves living in. Our world is broken, but there is wholeness. There are solutions, there are answers. And often we're waiting for the cavalry to come, you know, the reinforcements from heaven to do all the heavy lifting. Guess what? We are the reinforcements. We are the cavalry. We are the church of Jesus Christ. The greatest hope for the city of of Melbourne is the person of Jesus manifested through the local church. And that's why we need to be revived. That's why we need to be on fire. And that's why we need to resolve the question, who is in charge of my life? Because when we are saying, Jesus, I'm following you, Holy Spirit, I'm led by you. When we rise up and go like Philip, opportunities will meet us in the most unexpected of places. As we obey the promptings of the Spirit, we've got to make sure we listen attentively and we ask relevant questions of the people that God sends us to go and be a blessing to. This is what Philip did so well. He gives us a case study in being able to relate to people that are on a spiritual journey filled with God questions that are unanswered. In verse 30, it says, He ran to this man in the chariot. He heard him reading Isaiah the prophet aloud. In the first century, they would read literature aloud. And they asked, he asked, Do you understand what you are reading? Very good question. So often we are wanting to fill the gap with our wisdom and pearls of knowledge and insight that we miss where the person is at because we're not listening. Someone once said, listen or your tongue will keep you deaf. Have you ever been in what you thought was going to be a dialogue, a two-way conversation with someone at a cafe or something and it ended up being a monologue where they just talked the entire time. If you've found yourself in one of those, maybe you were the the, um, offender. (laughs) I was on riding my bike years ago uh, with a sort of distant friend and acquaintance who I was riding a little bit with on Beach Road and, you know, for two hours he talked non-stop. And he was complaining to me about all of his problems in his marriage. His wife had left him and business was going under. His kids didn't want to know him. And every time there was a pause, a gap in the conversation, I'd go, well, have you thought about... And he'd talk over the top of me. And then a a little bit longer and I'd go, well, you could do... And then he'd talk over the top of me. And then, well, well, have you thought about this? And he'd talk over the top of me. So I decided I'm going to try and ride faster to tie this guy out because he needs help. So I ride... He keeps talking, right? I ride up hills. He keeps talking. I wanted to ride myself into a brick wall to put myself out of misery because I'm like, some people just can't be helped, you know, and, 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 and only Jesus can save this guy, right? And, and, and sometimes 
That's like a little bit like you and I as it relates to when we are sharing our faith or when we're uh, talking with someone about what's going on in our life. We can talk so much that we actually don't stop and listen attentively to where they're at. The Bible says Philip heard him reading the words aloud and he asked a relevant question. Do you understand what you're even reading, what you're even saying? One of the obstacles to sharing Jesus confidently in our daily life is we simply don't stop enough to let people be heard, to listen. And so our monologue can get in the way of the dialogue, the conversation that God wants to have with these people. I would encourage you to seek first to understand and then to be understood. Because when people feel heard, they invite you into their personal space. You would want to be heard if you were on the receiving end. But often we forget what it's like to be far away from God. We forget what it's like to be distant from God. And so we try and fill in that. We try, ever tried to help Jesus out a bit in someone's life? Lord, let me help you out. Now what the Lord needs is someone who will have a heart to listen a heart to love people through the pain, a heart to journey with people in the midst of what they're going through and then begin to ask questions that are relevant to the situation at hand. Many of you would have heard me tell the story years ago and I I tell it a lot because it's relevant. It's my story, my history of how God used me in a situation when I was reluctant. I'll be honest, most of the evangelistic things that have broken through in my life, I was the reluctant person. You know what I mean? And it gives hope to everyone that may be a little bit reluctant or passive or afraid uh, because I'm that person. I'm not like the person that's just, you know, like Ben Fitzgerald preaching on aeroplanes and even he's reluctant about that stuff. But as the fear of man got broken off his life, God began to use him. And uh, and so I I walked into this uh, barber salon years ago and and there's about 20 people in there and, and everyone's quiet except Leanne in the corner. And I came to learn her name in the first haircut. And so Leanne is letting everybody know about what everybody's personal details is in their life because when she speaks, everyone can hear. So I'm there praying, dear Lord, don't let me get that person, right? Let me get somebody else because today I just wanna be quiet, go home, got busy weekend. And so I'm there. So God has a sense of humour. I get Leanne. So I go and I start getting my hair cut and she starts asking me all these questions. And so because I am who I am, I've got to be real and authentic. It goes where it goes. And now we're talking about faith. Now we're talking about religion. Now we're, she's saying all roads lead to Rome and uh, all roads lead. So it doesn't matter what you really believe, but as long as you believe in something and you've heard it before, I've heard it. It's classic, right? So we're there. I'm starting to ask questions. And so for the several weeks of going and meeting at the salon, guess who I get? Leanne, every time. That's no coincidence. And so uh, more questions. I'm asking more questions. I'm like, God, I don't seem to be getting through. Give me a key. And she starts to share about a need in her life. And as she does, the Lord says to me, open your wallet and give her all the money that's in your wallet. I rebuke that in Jesus' Name. That is not of the Lord. That is from the, as if the enemy would inspire you to be generous. But it's amazing how we convince ourselves and justify all manner of, you know, unchristian behaviour because we think, you know, I can't do that. Anyway, at the end of the haircut, I paid the bill, gave her the money. To cut a long story short, that opened a door 
into her personal world where she asked me to marry her and her partner didn't ask me to marry her, her and her partner, right? And, uh, and so I'm in their world. I, I lead them, uh, their wedding ceremony, I'm at their reception, start to hit some difficult times. One Sunday night, she was in a service at Careforce Church and preaching the gospel, open up the altar, and the last person, after 10 minutes of calling people to come to the front, the last person, I didn't realise Leanne was there, she came down sobbing, gave her heart to Christ. When you get into people's worlds and you just listen attentively and you get out of your comfort zone and you ask relevant questions and you let people be heard, they invite you into their personal space and it's in that moment that now you can bring the story of Jesus into their world. What happened to Philip? He was invited onto the chariot. He was invited. This, this uh, Ethiopian was an official, an ambassador, had influence, was in charge of the treasure. So if that was sort of relevant today, this person was of wealth. This person was responsible, probably the accountant on the finance team of a political leader, of a queen, a king, royalty, had clout, had wisdom, had influence, jump in to the limousine, thank you very much, jump in to the, the, the luxury vehicle. Literally, it would have been a luxury vehicle of the day. Jump into the chariot and now the conversation moves and Philip can bring Jesus into this person's personal situation. Just so happens that this person is reading the words of Isaiah the prophet about who? about Jesus. Isn't the providential sovereignty of God amazing? God knew where Philip needed to be, when he needed to be there, who he needed to be speaking to. I wanna tell you, God has already gone ahead of you and prepared the conversation for you. It's an easy layup. He's just looking for someone to rise and go. He's looking for someone to be faithful, to obedient, to the opportunities, to the promptings of the Spirit that are presented to us. But if we don't rise and go, we're gonna miss the testimony. Everyone wants a miracle. Everyone wants to test me, but no one wants to actually rise and go and be God's hands and feet and mouthpiece. And so here is Philip and he's in the chariot and he's beginning to unpack the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you today, the gospel is still good news. There is still good news in a bad news world with all sorts of challenges and issues and problems that are going on in people's lives. The gospel is still good news. Paul says in Romans 1, 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. The gospel is still good news. The gospel still has power in it. The person of Jesus, when He is lifted up, He draws all people unto Him. And so there I am on the plane and I'm talking to this lady and she shares with me about being a Jew, raised in a Jewish family, but has walked away from that religious observance and then her husband, a nominal Catholic, walked away from that and how religion has lost touch with people. So immediately, like Philip, I begin where she is at. I don't try and begin with, you know, um, you know, when was the last time you spoke in tongues? And, and no, 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 don't get weird and ooky spooky. Come down here and begin where they're at. 
So because of her background, I understand that for a lot of people in that background, they observe their faith through works. So they believe that their work's earning them something. Okay, they do this and the right ritual and the right time and the right prayer and the right day. Therefore, God, Jehovah, Yahweh will be happy with them and therefore they shall get a seat at the table in heaven. And so I begin to unpack with her about my faith in Jesus is not based upon my works, my efforts, but on His goodness, His grace, His mercy and His love. And because I'm saved by grace through faith, that and I unpack that using terminology that she could understand. And then we start to talk about her heritage, about, you know, do you believe that, that God parted the Red Sea? Well, yes, I do. Well, if she believes that God parted the Red Sea through Moses, then she believes that the 10 plagues are supernatural events, they're miracles. And if she believes that, does she believe the prophets that have pointed towards the Messiah coming? And when the Messiah comes, He'll be this and He'll do that. Well, yes, she does. So I said, if the prophets, if the Old Testament and the parting of the Red Sea all points to the reality of a supernatural natural God, what do you do with Jesus? That's a good question, she said. And she said, I guess I've got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God then. Yeah, I reckon that's, you should believe that too. And we begin to unpack this and talk this uh, all about this and then find out where, you know, she lives in the southern suburbs of Melbourne and I'm like, well, we've got a church there, Numa South and Bo Morris and you need to get there and, and you need to bring your kids, come along, we'll look after you. It, it, you begin with where they are, where they're at. You bring Jesus into their world. Many of us, Live exemplary Christian lives, but we've never opened up our mouth and shared the good news of Jesus. What does Romans 10, 14 say? It says, how will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? At some point, the gospel has got to be heard. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Wonderful that they see your works. Give glory to God. Don't hide your good works. The Bible says, Jesus said, uh, uh, under a bush, don't hide it away. Let the world see, shine the goodness of God wherever you go. But at some point, we have to have a reason for the hope that we have. At some point, we have to share the good news about Jesus. I woke up this morning, I've been getting vivid prophetic dreams and the Spirit of God, as I woke, spoke to me and said, the time is short, I'm coming back. I'm gonna do an accelerated work in this season. My people need to be urgent in their hearts about what I've called them to in this season. Numa Church, it's time to rise and go. It's time to rise and go. It's time to rise and go. This is not a time to be passive. This is not a time to sort of wait until the perfect opportunity. If you wait for the perfect opportunity, it will never come. In fact, the perfect opportunity will come at the most unexpected moment. We've got to make a decision in this hour. God, you're the leader. 
I'm the follower. I'm going to obey the prompting of the Spirit. I'm going to begin with where they're at. I'm going to listen attentively. I'm going to ask relevant questions, genuinely showing my care, my interest, and where I can, I'm going to bring Jesus into their world. And I'm going to trust that, God, You are going to use me in the simplicity of the offering of my life to lead people and into encounter with Jesus. This is what happens in this passage. Just so happen, keep in mind, they're in a desert region. There's no aquarina, there's no well, there's no water, there's no river. They're in the desert. Just so happen as they're going along in the chariot, guess what? There's water. And as the Ethiopian ambassador is hearing the gospel, comes across some water and says, what is there to prevent me from being baptised? Good question. Let's get down right now and baptise you. And then all of a sudden, beam me up, Scotty, as they're coming up out of the waters, the Holy Spirit, like the prophet Elijah, takes Philip and whisks him away to another region because the job is done. And this man goes, where did the evangelist go? Just disappeared. And he goes away rejoicing because now he has tasted of the heavenly gift. Now he has had an amazing encounter himself. You've got to trust that the simple offering of your words, your life, your encounter with God is enough for God to use to lead them into an encounter with Jesus. God never asked you to save your unsaved loved one. Never asked you to convict them of their sin, cast judgment upon them. He asked you to love them. He asks you to pray for them. He asks you to share the good news of Jesus with them. And you've got to trust that God is going to use your life to lead them into an encounter. Our role is to rise and go. God's role is to save and convict and minister to them. I can't heal anyone, but Jesus in me can. Do you know the easiest way to evangelise right now? So many people are sick, just offer to pray for people. You know what I love at the moment? You walk around the streets around this church right now. Our church are like a pack of wolves at feeding time. Anyone who is sick. It's awesome. If you're sick in this place, you're going to have already today, several people get around you, lay hands upon you and believe for your healing. But it's breaking out in the surrounding streets. It's like we've got people, pastors sending sick people from their church to our church at revival nights. And we descend on them like a pack of wolves, like a zoo at feeding time. I love it. You know why? Because we actually believe Jesus will heal. We act, I actually believe if you haven't received your healing yet, you're going to get healed. I believe it. I'm seeing it all the time. We're literally in the hundreds of miracles in church updates in a moment. You're going to see another example of the miracle working power of God in people's lives. This is real New Testament Christianity. And it's not just meant for the four walls of the church, it's meant to rise and go. Because our city, our nation, your suburb, your kids' sports club, the cafe, someone somewhere needs a rise and go encounter. We've got to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We've got to build an invitational culture as much as we build a Go and make disciples of all nations culture. It's not either or, it's both end. Jesus said, go and make. Then I think Andrew said to his brother Simon, come and see. How many of us know it's both? Come and see, go and make. Yeah. 
It's not one or the other, it's both and. So tonight, uh, someone was sharing at the end of the 9am, hey, my work colleague is coming tonight and they're unsaved, but they're so excited. They're coming to the revival service. I'm like, when was the last time you talked to an unsaved? I'm, I'm not saved, but I'm so excited to be coming to church. Seriously, you've got to pinch yourself. I've been praying for this for years. Let us not be overly familiar with this. We're talking about secular Australia. Melbourne, God help us. Of all cities, with all of the woke influence in this city, and all of the secularization, unsaved people. I'm ex- I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. It's not one or the other, it's both and. Some of you are gonna find it easier right now, take baby steps to invite people, just invite them. Others of you are gonna be there on the street, hardcore, Jesus loves you, do you know Jesus? Or wherever you're at, just begin, rise and go, rise and go, rise and go. Seed after seed after seed. You don't know where you are in the chain of that person's encounter with Jesus. You just plant the seed. Watch God do what He does. The Kingdom of God grows. None of us know how it really works, but someone plants a seed and that thing grows into a great oak tree of righteousness and the branches extend out, the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. We know not how this harvest grows, but all we do know is we've got to keep planting the seed. We've got to rise and go. We've got to obey the promptings of the Spirit. I'm telling you, the Lord keeps saying to me, this building is way too small for what He wants to do. Can, can I get like nearly a thousand people in this room to agree with me that this building is too small? There was about half of you. Can I get all of us to agree right now? This building is way too small for what God wants to do. I tell you, my spirit's stirred. I'm so expectant. I had a man of God in Queensland, never met me before. A, you know, sort of calibre of a, a pastor, Tim Hall, been around, you know, ministering 50 years minister all over South America, comes up to me after the first session I ministered and he said, got a word for you. The Lord says, by mid next year, God is going to give you more buildings, more properties and more money for the work of the kingdom of God, speaking of this church, than you could ever imagine. And we've had that word over and over again. Over the last four weeks, we've seen God move miraculously in generosity. I tell you, revival ruins you for everything else. The move of God ruins you. I, I'm, I just want to let serve you notice, we are not content to build a great church. I, tell, I, I speak to pastors and leaders all over this country and I say, many of you are content to build great churches, but you're not contending for a move of God. It's, it's actually easy. You, you can do it in your own strength to build a great ministry in a great church. You can do it. No, we're contending for a move of God. Businessman, business lady, don't be content to build a great business. Contend for a move of God. Saw a beautiful couple in our church, prophesied over two weeks later, received a $250 million contract in Jesus' name. That is nothing short of miraculous. 
It's time for you to stop dreaming about your life only and start to believe for God to do something miraculous and supernatural in your life. Give up your small dreams and come and change the world. Give up your small dreams and come and change the world. The only dream I have is the dream of God. The whole earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. When you begin to think like that, you look at buildings, you look at space, you look at this and go, it's all just a tool. It's a tool. It's a resource. We are not enamoured here with buildings and properties and things. We don't care. We care about people's souls. We will steward it. We will honour God for it. And anything that you give into the life of this church, we'll steward it. We'll honour God with it. But it's all about changing people's lives. I'm prophesying. I know I'm taking time. I'm doing it deliberately. Because this thing's got to get into you. You can't just, you know, this is not, you know, a little nice sermonette, churchianity. No, this is... Christianity, this is kingdom. We need to start thinking like God. The Lord said to me three weeks ago, He says, I want to take this to the exhibition buildings in Melbourne. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that, how that is going to happen. But you know what? God is speaking so clearly in this season. It's like the next week, the next day, the next month, the next, it happens. So who are we to judge what God wants to do? My spirit's alive, man. My body is so tired right now. Literally, Kai and I was like, I don't know if I'm drunk in the Holy Spirit or drunk with tiredness, if you know what I mean. But my spirit is so alive. Literally at the moment, our team's like four hours a day in prayer. I've been seven hours a day in prayer. I walk into a meeting literally the other day and people who've been, um, had trouble with their hearing all year have been prayed for dozens of times, walk in and in that meeting, ears open straight away. The miracles are becoming easy. It's like, God, now you're showing off. He's like, good, it's what I've been wanting to do for the last 2,000 years. And, and let me tell you, it's... We're not the only ones that God wants to do. Oh, God, I pray there's a revival in the Catholic Church. I pray there's a revival in the Baptist Church. I pray there's a revival in the Anglican Church. I pray there's a revival. God help them in the Salvation Army. I pray that there is a revival in every single church in this entire city and nation. We need every church. And if God would use us to play a little role, a small role in that, oh Lord, let us do it. Can I tell you, if you've been on the fringes of this house, if you've been sort of just attending but you're not serving, can I encourage you, jump in, jump in, jump in. God's doing something. Don't be like the Pharisees that sit on the steps and sort of watch the triumphant entry and miss your day of visitation. Jump in, join the procession. Honour God with your tithe. Serve in the life of the church. Get to a prayer meeting. Be a part of revival night. Why? Don't spectate while God is moving because He actually wants to use you. He's saying, Numa Church, rise and go. There are people that desperately need to hear of your encounter with Jesus. It is time that every one of us, we have the sword of the Spirit in one hand and a building tool in the other. And we build the church. We build the Kingdom of God because Jesus is coming back and He's coming back for a glorious church, a pure and spotless and victorious bride. And so 
we are gonna be those people and we're gonna respond and it begins with a spirit that says, I will rise and go. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.